And welcome to Radio Free Canada. I'm your host, Kevin Annett. It's We're back. We are, indeed. July 30th. We're always back. We persist. We're here every Sunday, 3 p.m. Pacific, bbsradio.com slash radiofreecanada, itccs.org, and murderbydecree.com. You can also find my personal writings, kevinannett.com. And a lot of my books, if you go to the itccs.org website, you'll see all the latest uh, books listed there. It's good to be back. We are today going to begin with a short reflection. Basic questions. Who owns the earth? Do we have the right to ourselves? I've written a series of little reflections called Table Talk, and today the one that we're going to share is called, What is this thing called the Jubilee? Or Doing More Than Proclaiming. And for you bibliophiles, it's taken from the stuff you find in Luke chapter 4 in the Bible. I was four years old when I first helped myself to the bread out of the baker's truck. My mother, always a hawk-eyed when it came to yours truly, spotted my deed and confronted me as I calmly sat munching my prize on the sidewalk near our home. Well, I was hungry, I replied in my four-year-old voice when Mum asked me why I'd taken the bread. I didn't understand why something so obvious needed an explanation, nor did I savvy her attempt to explain the concept of money to me. My mother perhaps blamed this early formative moment for my later predilection to give away anything in our house that wasn't nailed down to people who needed them more than we did. Cutlery, food, toys, even Mum's favorite fondue set ended up in the hands of the local needy folks, thanks to yours truly. Mum started locking up everything. And just imagine, back then I hadn't even started reading the Bible. Because my egalitarian streak only intensified when I had scripture revealed to me in Sunday school. There it was, in black and white. God gave creation to each one of us, not just the few. No mention of cash or debt consolidation loans in Eden. And even better, not much later in the biblical timeline, the wandering chosen ones were told by Jehovah that every 50 years they were to pull a Kevin Annett and give away what they had to the needy. Land was to be returned to the original owners, all debts were to be cancelled, and all the prisoners set free. God called that the Jubilee year. Well, like all good ideas, it was never put into practice. Instead, the tribal Hebrews demanded a king for themselves, like all the other nations, and they wanted war chariots and other weapons of mass destruction to smash those no-good Canaanites into the ground. And guess what? For some reason, the new big-shot kingly rulers conveniently forgot about that egalitarian jubilee law given to them by the even bigger guy. Gee, no, I wonder why that happened. But don't despair, people. A little while later, in a one-camel dump called Nazareth, along came a local yokel named Yeshua ben Yusuf, who had the cheekiness to stand up uninvited in the local synagogue one morning. Yeshua announced that, Sorry, folks, but I'm here to bring in the Jubilee. Not in 50 years, but now, right here. So say farewell to debts and prisons and land grabs and rich and poor, Jesus announced. That's all gone. We're living under a new regime now that's called the Kingdom of Heaven, or in his own Aramaic tongue, the realm of eternity. And with that, according to the Bible, his neighbors tried to lynch him. But that had to wait a few more years to finally succeed. Meanwhile, Yeshua, a.k.a. Jesus, went about the land trying to show folks the jubilee that was suddenly present in their midst. And when he went further and tried getting rid of the biggest barrier to God's revolution, the money-soaked and militarized temple in Jerusalem, well, you know what happened next, folks. And ever since then, the same things happened, the same crosses have been pulled out whenever other poor people have tried reclaiming the world for themselves. Well, thinking back on my young self, eating freely and unafraid from the earth's bounty and sharing what I had with others, 
I'm struck by how inborn is the Jubilee spirit within all of us. We're naturally inclined to use the abundance that is given to us by God and share what there is according to what others need. The world was made that way, placed in common without barriers. And society would operate the same way if it reflected the mind of God. But since it doesn't, and it's divided and torn by the satanic attributes of property, greed, and class divisions, the Jubilee Reminder steps forward to get us all back on track. Once upon a time, humanity moved according to the Earth's rhythms. We understood innately that our society, like nature, has to rest and lie fallow every few years if it's to replenish. Inequality and oppression have to step back and allow natural justice to take hold again. The Jubilee laws are there to wipe the slate clean so that humanity can recover. But we have fallen from that awareness, and nothing in our society, it seems, can be overturned or renewed anymore. And so a blast of change has to clear away all the old barriers. That's indeed the very meaning of the word Jubilee. It comes from the Hebrew word Yobel, which means a trumpet blast, the kind that announces the dawn of a new age. In the Old Testament book of Leviticus, the people are instructed to, quote, hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty in the land to all the inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee unto you. Well, this very saying is what's inscribed in the American Liberty Bell in Philadelphia, and it served as a basis of a true republic under God, the fact that heaven ordains and trumpets justice and equality for all people every 50 years. Well, Thomas Jefferson went further than this when he said that to survive, America needed a revolution every 25 years, in other words, in every new generation of its citizens. The republic had to renew itself constantly. The divine plan is for all people to return to a level and equal footing with one another routinely. But of course, every ruling elite desires and works for the opposite and considers any notion of equality, whether from God or man, as subversive. Nevertheless, the truth is proclaimed, but it must move from thin words to thick action if it's to be real. If Jesus' presence among us meant anything, it's to embody the Jubilee laws through a new visible arrangement, a new covenant that Christianity has wrongly reduced to a religious ritual rather than elevate to a social reality. Jesus literally did set the captives free. He returned the land to landless peasants, and he canceled the the debts of those who joined his movement. Like any guerrilla leader, he established a liberated zone and thereby overturned the status quo. That's why he was judicially murdered and not because he declared himself to be the Son of God. Crucifixion was reserved for political insurrectionists, not religious heretics. Today we find the same drama play itself out whenever we try to make Christ's way a reality in our world. The Jubilee vision is a keg of dynamite being deliberately contained by religion. But I know from having tried it to make it a working reality that when we unleash that dynamite and actually sit the poor alongside the rich and abolish the differences between them, the full weight of oppression descends on us just like it did on Jesus. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, said Thomas Paine. But in the Jubilee vision, we are assured that injustice is a human creation, not a divine one, and that human society, like nature, has to recover its vitality and equality if it's to reflect the mind of heaven and endure. That was the essence of Jesus' life and mission. The Jubilee laws are as necessary, as revolutionary, and as much of a threat to the status quo today as they were 2,000 years ago, especially to bankers, to bishops, and to heads of state. And so the vision and the purpose remain, people, and begin with something as simple as sharing out the world's wealth with those who have none. For that's our challenge today and tomorrow. Will we do more than proclaim liberty, but actually enact it among ourselves as the equal and freeborn men and women that we are? Well, that's my reflection for today. You can find more at kevinanna.com. And today's show, which will come on now, 
is uh, actually a very excellent show from last September, featuring Peter Yellenquill of the Anishinaabe Nation, myself, and Ryan Gable. We're talking about those and other themes, especially how to take on the corporatocracy and the crimes in our midst in both the Native and the white world. So that's, I, that is the show for today. I hope you enjoy it. You can follow us again next week at this station, same time, and write to us, republicofcanada at gmail.com. Here's the show. Stay strong, people. So I pledge allegiance against the flag and the fall for which it stands. I'll raise it if I can. Soldiers have their sorrow. The wretched have their rage. Pray for the Hello and welcome to Radio Free Canada. It's September 11th. Yes, 15 years later, we're all still here. And Radio Free Canada is brought to you today by the Republic of Canada, established under common law and the will of we, the people. I'm your host, Kevin Annett. If you're listening today, you are the Republic, the new covenant of free men and women who recognize no authority save that established under the natural law and according to their own conscience. We broadcast live here every Sunday at 6 p.m. on the BBS radio network, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And we're here to educate and organize for change. We're here to raise our consciousness and our capacity to reclaim ourselves and our world. You can follow our work at itccs.org and bbsradio.com slash Radio Free Canada. Well, today on Radio Free Canada, what to do with a serial killer called Canada and the equally murderous Vatican and Crown of England, for that matter. With us today to speak from his experience as a survivor of the Canadian Holocaust is Peter Yellowquill, an elder of the Anishinaabe Nation of Manitoba, and also a survivor of the murderous Brandon United Church Residential School, so-called. Peter has been with us before, last year on Radio Free Canada, and he actually has is featured as a key witness in the common law court case against Canada and his churches in 2013 that forced the resignation of Pope Benedict. You can read all that online at itccs.org. Now, one of the reasons we want to bring on Peter right at this time is right south of him in North Dakota, there's a huge battle brewing. 4,000 people are converging on a location there among the Standing Rock Sioux Nation, the Lakota Nation, to battle the... uh, the designs of the Energy Transfer Corporation that's trying to put a pipeline right across Lakota land. We're going to talk about the ongoing genocide today and Peter's knowledge of that. Before we bring Peter on, I've got my usual co-host with me, Ryan Gable. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Kevin. I know we had a little bit of a technical glitch coming into the show. That's why we were a few minutes delayed. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Ryan, every time I email you, we seem to have these technical glitches hit us kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah, that is true. Every time we Skype, every time we talk on the phone, emails get lost, don't come through. Very common. Nice to be appreciated, isn't it? But, uh, yeah. anyway, one of the I guess it means you're doing something I, correct. Wanna, one of the things we want to talk about today with Peter Yellowquill is a communique that's going out from the ITCCS, the International Tribunal of Crimes in Church and State. It's a diplomatic communique that's coming out this month directed at world leaders, including Vladimir Putin of Russia. And what it is, it's a summary of the evidence of genocide 
in Canada, especially genocidal crimes on Canada's west coast. And there's two points I want to talk to you and Peter both about today. I want to mention briefly now for your comments before we uh, bring Peter on. Um, one of the points in the communique is that according to a lot of the research we've been doing since 1998, it's clear that the murders in the Indian residential school system that occurred uh, went on at the hands of the very same people who are responsible today for the ongoing crimes against Native people. In fact, we've shown that the entire present leadership of the Roman Catholic, Anglican, and United Church of Canada is either directly implicated in residential school-era crimes or is actively protecting those who are, and that these same predators are still engaged today in the rape, trafficking, and killing of Aboriginal children and women. In other words, there's a continuity of crime that exists that spans decades. These weren't isolated crimes they're carrying on today. And the second point is that in terms of the missing Aboriginal women, what neither the media nor the government are reporting is the fact that these West Coast disappearances are the result of specific racial and political targeting and are not random killings. That is, the women who have gone missing started out, and when you look at their identities, they were members of matrilineal clan mothers' systems that traditionally control the resources and land bases of the different Indian nations. In other words, the killing of these, wi these women is tantamount to deliberate political assassinations aimed at wiping out the, the lingering traditional leaders of the West Coast tribes. So in other words, when we're talking about genocide today, it's spanning the past and present, and it's aimed at a particular group of people. Just wanted your comments on that, Ryan, if you had any thoughts. Sure, I, I would reinforce the points that you made, not to offer any new points, and that is, one, it continues to this day. Understanding a history of it allows us to really, really assess the situation we all are in, not just Natives, but every single race, every single color, creed, religion, all of us, for the most part, are being systematically in one way or another targeted. And the ones targeting us, it's not some grand conspiracy by a group necessarily of elitists in a traditional form of a New World Order conspiracy, Illuminati belief system. We're talking about corporations. The, uh, the example of the pipeline in, in, in the Dakotas is a really good example of that. Corporations that have business and money in mind, and they will trample on anyone at any time to get to that bottom line, and that is a profit, which I think is also part of what you exposed at the United Church and the logging uh, uh, companies and the selling off of native land by the church in Port Alberni. So it again, is not just 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. It's happening today, and to understand that better, we have to understand our history, especially the history that there is evidence to show what happened, but it's not something necessarily that you learn in history class. Right. Now, just to remind folks, a lot of this evidence we're talking about linking the genocide in the past to the present is found in our new book, Murder by Decree, The Crime of Genocide in Canada, a counter-report to the so-called Truth and Reconciliation Commission. You can see that online at murderbydecree.com. That's murderbydecree.com. You can get it at amazon.com for 20 bucks. an exclusive 400-page report on the hard evidence of this genocide, packed full of documents and eyewitness testimonies. And um, just before we bring Peter Yellowquill on, I know he's standing by, to uh, give folks a little bit more information about that struggle looming south of him in North Dakota, it's at the hands of what's called the Energy Transfer Corporation. They're running a pipeline right across the United States. It's called the Back and Fracking Pipeline. They're going to frack all sorts of oil and transport it across to the eastern U.S., eventually down to Texas. It's a $3 billion project. 
It's cutting right across Standing Rock, Lakota burial grounds and traditional territory. And there's now a, a protest camp of over 4,000 people camped out near uh, Standing Rock, South Dakota. Now, Homeland Security has just stepped in and cut the water supply to the camp. They've moved out uh, the water tanks and other facilities to try to undercut the protest. But you can see a lot of this online at uh, Veterans Today, which has been covering this. Um, the uh, Veterans News Now Network has described how these protesters are being attacked with pepper spray, dogs, uh, other things at the hand of corporate employees and the state and, and other police. So this is a struggle that needs to be supported. We're going to be talking more about this, giving you more updates. Um, can, can I ask you a brief Sorry, go ahead. Say something. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, ask you what your thoughts were on the situation with the pipeline, because I saw some stories about, about as you mentioned, with the dogs that were allowed to basically tear apart protesters and the, the open, overt violence that's being perpetuated against protesters who in a lot of cases, in fact, most of the cases I've seen are protesting very peacefully. How do you, how do you view a situation like that? Is there ever a time for violence, or is it just defense? How do you, how do you differentiate between the two? Well, I mean, they, the state has, and the corporations have the monopoly in violence, and um, people are often tempted to respond in that way. The, the reality is, is that, as I mentioned, and here's another publication we want to flag, uh, Truth Teller Shield, a manual for whistleblowers, which is out now online through Amazon.com. One of the points we make in the Truth Teller's Shield, uh, this manual for protesters and, and activists, is that um, we always have to keep the moral high ground. That is, we are not the ones to use violence. We are standing against the violence, violence of the corporatocracy. Now, that's easy to say when you're at a distance. When you're up close and get a pepper sprayed and attacked by dogs, the only defense you really have is your numbers and public awareness, and that's why it's essential that we continue to shine spotlights, not just on these obvious protests, because frankly, this is being reported all over. It's for all these individuals that they're fighting on their own. Peter, like Peter, uh, folks like Peter Yellowquill, who faces violence and other things at the hands of his own band council and others, uh, who we need to stand by and support. So we'll get into that in more detail. I did want to bring Peter on now, though. Um, Peter, are you there? Yes, uh, I'm here. Hi, Peter. It's it's really good to have you back. I know we had you on last year, and uh, you know you've like a lot of people in your position, you've faced a lot of struggle since then. Could you give folks a little bit of a background as to your own uh, history, if you want to mention the residential school and and you know your own fight in that regard, and some of the issues that you and your people are facing today. Well, um, I, I spent uh, 11 years uh, in the residential school system uh, in Portage Prairie and in Brandon. There was uh, two residential schools there, and um, of course, it had a disastrous effect on, on my own life and my family life. Um, those effects are still being felt, and, and we're still like it's like a it's like a genocidal collateral damage. You know, it's like. A, uh, right now, we're in the midst of this plague uh, crack, and, and 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 those heavy heavy drugs have come in, and uh, uh, we've been trying to stand up uh, for our families. And band council looks the other way. There's a you know there's a pile of cocaine on the table. Like this is an internal struggle. Um, meanwhile, we hear about all these other struggles that, that need, also need our attention, like what's happening in Standing Rock. Our blood comes from there. We're actually Lakota and Dakota people mixed with Ojibwe here in Manitoba. 
and we see the struggle going on down there. And we are with that struggle by prayer and in spirit. Uh, but you see, here, uh, th- th- there's a struggle against uh, 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 that type of violence here also. Uh, even against the RCMP here. Uh, they've used uh, dogs on my son. Uh, 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 they bashed his head in the police car. Uh, that type of thing. And, and it's going on here steady against the youth. They've drawn guns on our, on our, on our youth. Uh, they broke one more shoulder blades. Uh, there's been, been advances on the young, young women, but nobody's spoken out yet. So that type of violence is, is still going on. Uh, we we're missing a few of our people also here. Uh, the heartache is here. Um, and the helplessness is here also. As we try to stand against uh, sometimes our own, uh, sometimes against the whole system. Like I recently had a jurisdictional dispute with the band council and the trustees uh, and the province of Manitoba. No one lifted a finger to help. We were up against the, the Court of Queen's Bench, uh, the province of Manitoba, four RCMP officers, uh, three, four sheriffs, and our, some of our own people who were selling our land. Now, if anything, it's the God, the land, and us. That's the only way we're going to make out of this uh, chaos, this, this chaos, that we're, this genocide that we're living. We, Peter, we, no, I, I remember uh, you gave a really, really stirring testimony as part of the material that we submitted in Europe when we did our common law court case in 2013 against Canada and the Crown and the Vatican. And I remember you standing in the doorway of the remains of, I can't remember whether it was the Portage La Prairie or Brandon School, uh, residential school, and you were saying this was like dead men walking. When, the, when you walked into the front door, you either went to the left or the right. You were already being picked out for a rape at that, at that age. And to me, it's almost a, a, a symbol of the whole thing you're still living under. You know, what, how do you, you know, people always want to hear good stories, success stories and that, but tell me, is, is there any light in your situation? Um... It's, it's, like, it's like coming out of that place with a cancer. Um, we're facing the, the very same abuses uh, we're, uh, we're being inflicted on, on one another. And we brought that sickness home. We had no boundaries. We were taught nothing about family, nothing about those things. And we still struggle with these things. And that's what we're seeing be, being made manifest now in some of the young families here where there's uh, breakup after breakup. Uh, houses being destroyed, literally being destroyed, uh, crack rules, uh, dollar store food at the end of the month. Uh, it's, 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 it's horrendous, and we, when we try to turn to anyone, we get little or no help. Uh, mm-hmm. um, even at uh, the, TR, uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission level, uh, I sponsored a resolution with the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs to have Sinclair and the commission answer the question of genocide. We hand-delivered that to him in Ottawa during that uh, walk, which to me I really found strange because as we were walking by Parliament, I couldn't figure out why were we walking by the scene of the crime, you know? And we we ended up in the middle of Ottawa, but the scene of the crime was right there. And Sinclair took the document, and we never heard from it again. So So in the document, just to be clear... He has a positive duty... What are you a judge? He knows about these rapes. He knows about these murders. 
he has a positive duty to act on them, not sit on them, to call in the RCMP and have each and every one of those things investigated. But will he do it? I don't think so. No, I don't think the criminal will investigate themselves. You know, that's the old problem here. And um, I know there have been attempts among various indigenous nations to do their own investigations. You know, the Mohawks uh, unearthed remains at, at the school in Brantford of, of the remains of children. Uh, the Dene and the Inuit did their own truth commission outside the government. But then the question is always, where do we take this information? How do we get action on this? Well, well, that's kind of the point that kind of tips the scale for a lot of our people. They, they, they get so frustrated, they just literally throw their hands up in the air and just just walk away from this and carry that load, carry that pain. And uh, they, 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 whether we like it or not, it costs money to do some of these things, right? Like we want mm -hmm. to take some of these officers to court that are doing these things. We want to, 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 to deal with the, some of the CFS officials that are, that are being part of that genocide. And, and, and destroying our families because it's still going on. But it, as grassroots people, we have little or no money. And we run up against this, look. The band council here and too many other places will open their wallets, open the band's coffers to lawyers who will help them cover these things up. And they will fight against their own people who try to stand for uh, the people that are literally helpless. The poor, poverty is a, like a form of uh, uh, genocide, especially uh, when we entered into the treaty on uh, August 3, 1871, and August 4, that's when the genocide began, and we've been fighting it and living it and surviving it. But it, it, gets, it gets really frustrating. I'm, I'm in my 60s now. I've been doing this since I was about 21. And uh, I, I meet other people like me, uh, and, and we're trying. We're trying. We're, we're, we're trying to start with a traditional, a traditional group called the Promise Keepers, in which we're trying to deal with these issues best that we can. Grassroots people are. Can you find? I, I want to bring Ryan and in and get a question. Not getting any legal help or anything like that. Right. Well, do you find that? Just one question before I ask Ryan for his comments, uh, Peter. Do you find among your youth that there is a response? Is the next generation stand, stepping up to the plate in some way? Apathy and crack, okay, is a lethal combination. We've got over half a dozen crack houses here. Uh, and uh, it's, there's an intimidation that's been going on for too long. People are afraid to speak against the band council or the chief or whatever. Uh, right. These people talk tradition. They talk culture. But they, they do the Indian Act. And that's what's killing us. At this point, what's really killing us is our own people who talk tradition or Christianity and inflict the Indian Act and, and, and destroy our rights. And the young people are literally throwing up their hands saying, Christianity, forget it. Culture, tradition, forget it. And, and, and that's what's destroying us. See, powers can only go so far, right? Traditional gatherings. But, but when you lose the core values, when young people see that, that, that these core values are just words, then, then they just throw their hands up. What are, and what are your core values? Generation. 
What do you when well, you talk it, about your core values? Simply, like respect, respect, honor, yeah. truth, courage, wisdom. All these things that make all of us human. That that, that give us the, the, these values that, that we should be trying to achieve in our life. And you know, like I keep hearing the word pride. Well, the elders never taught me pride. Pride kills. But for honor and those things, you can stand for, and you'll give up your life for it. But but we're being misled. Some of our leadership, if you call them leaders at all, are are carrying their own problems. They have, they've never resolved their issues, and, and they're so easily distracted by money, 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 money. Okay, it's bad enough we <laughs> we have to deal with with with, with governments. But when, when we see our dollars being spent in a corrupt manner and we see this political oppression and corruption, well, we have to stand here first and try and deal with that before we actually go out there again and try and deal with some of those issues. It's, it's an ongoing battle. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a battle, fighting a battle in every direction because sometimes we are still losing our treaty rights. We are still losing our land. The apology for many Canadians, it, it seems to be a landmark. It's a falsehood. The apology actually means nothing because everything is still progressing. And the, the, the Canadians are all into thinking, well, everything's okay now. Well, it's not. It's simply a cost-saving measure. <laughs> right. And it gave de facto immunity to rapists and murders of little children. I want to really emphasize what you just said, just said, Peter. It, it, it gave de facto immunity to the rapists and murders of little children. That's right. When, when, when a normal person sees a crime, well, let's, let's face it, a little child is being raped. What do you do? You either intervene or you go to, the, uh, to some authority that can deal with it. It's usually the police in, 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 in Canadian society. In our culture, it would be peacekeepers or, or some other entity that would be in, in, to there to enforce and protect and serve. That was not happening all the way through the history of the residential school. The perpetrators were the higher-ups in the churches, in the civil service, and in the police. And, and where could we go? Where could we go in those seven generations that they talked about? This thing's been going on. Yep. Absolutely nowhere. So, Peter, um, you, you, you had to carry it. You had no choice. Yep. One of the uh, points I made with Ryan earlier, and I'm going to, ask him for his comments, but uh, we found out on the West Coast that a lot of the Native women who've gone missing were targeted. They were the part of, they were traditional, um, you know, clan mother uh, elders, and it, it's kind of the wiping out of that bloodline that we find that they, the police never talk about when they talk about these disappearances. So do you find the same thing in your communities? Are people being targeted for killing? The whole policy has been to destroy any form of traditional governance, right from the word go, right when they, 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 they 
developed and, and acted that genocidal document, which is the Indian Act. And it's hard to distinguish who these people are today because there's, there's so much uh, 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 of such a broken culture, a culture that was crushed. We struggle to maintain even your family name, uh, uh, and we struggle to try and maintain and learn about what were the real cultural values, what did survive us for generation upon generation upon generation. And it's true. The first objective of the Indian Act in terms of governance was to destroy the women in our culture, to take away their voice. I attended a meeting recently for treaties 1 to 11, and I emphasized the fact that unless we as men have the backbone to restore the women to their rightful place in our lives and in our traditions, then we're going to be lost. And I charge the women to take their rightful place, assert their rightful place, because it's still there. Our laws have not changed. They're still there. And, and this is the challenge for us, because it was the women who could govern and deal with the corruptions, who could deal with corrupt chiefs, counselors. It was their role and their duty to stand up, and as men, as Akita soldiers, we were to stand beside them. You, when, when the Indian Act came in, and it, it just crushed the whole system, and, and, and it appears to be a democracy, because we get to vote, we put an X here, but that type of European democracy just does not work with our people. All it's created is dictatorships. And in fact, half our people have left our communities. So what's left? Half a nation. And our women have been silenced for generations. And what's left? Strong bullheaded men. <laughs> we have Peter, lost. Let me ask Ryan if he has any voice. remarks. Ryan, anything do you want to ask or say? Yeah, you alluded to earlier, Kevin, about how people want a good story and they're tired of hearing about all the quote-unquote negativity. And, Peter, you brought up the fact that it's hard for many to fight back because you don't have money to do that. How much can be said about simply acknowledging and not allowing these crimes to directly affect you psychologically, emotionally, maybe not as much physically, but how much can be said about not allowing these crimes to affect you in a way that is detrimental to a life that you can create outside of this system, if that makes sense? I guess it's going on. It's hard to carry, but we do have to carry it because now we're grandfathers, grandmothers, we're our generation uh, is, in, is in that uh, part of our life now. And uh, we have to translate what happened now to our children and our grandchildren. Uh, and that's the only real hope that we have. It's the only real hope that we have. Uh, without being crushed at the same time, uh, there is uh, a, a, an onslaught in our communities with these hardcore uh, uh, like crack and meth and all these things. So, so, and it's, it's afflicting us like, uh, it's, it's getting lethal. 
actually. It's getting really lethal. We have we've had a couple of killings out here already. And uh, when we re- try and reach out for assistance, try and reach out for help. I remember in the 90s, during Woka and all those things that we were a part of, when, when the cocaine and stuff started coming here, some of the elders were literally telling the police, RCMP, well, here's the guy, here's their plate number, here's where they go. And those RCBs, we call them, red-coated bastards, didn't lift a finger didn't lift one finger to try and stem the flow. Well, I know now, uh, they're my out in the West Coast. Generation, they're is suffering. <laughs> the Mounties are the big drug and dealers around every first they're in community now. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. I don't think that's accidental. Peter, listen. If you had to go to another country, if you let's say could appear before a forum of world leaders and and say, had a message, what would that message be if you could speak to them right now? And they are listening, some of them tonight, actually, to this show. So say to them right now what you want the world to hear. That all is not well with Canada and ourselves. That when the European people came into our lands, we made these honorable agreements and we've, we've lived by them. But in return, we've received genocide. We want, I'd like to remind the European peoples that, that when, and the British peoples, that when their back was against the wall, it is the resources of this continent, First Nations country, that helped stem the tide of, of, of Hitler and, 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 and the, Nazi pe- the Nazis and the oppressors in Europe, that the churches are guilty, that we need to hold hands with someone out there, outside of Canada, outside of the governments here in Canada, to, to, to help stabilize this and, and turn this thing around for our peoples. It's just not going to come from Canada. And well, there's a um, communique that's going out this month, Peter, from, from the Tribunal of Crimes of Church and State, the one that sponsored the common law court case into the Canadian genocide. And part of that is going to be really saying what you just did, which is that it's time for the nations of the world to take action, to bring sanctions against Canada, the Crown, the Vatican. The, the church is responsible for this murder and the continued harm against your people. So this is something that uh, is the next step, really. Um, what are, either you or Ryan, what are your comments about how, what people can do locally? Let's say you're a concerned white Canadian or something. What's the best thing people can do that are listening to this? Peter, would you like to go first? I, I want to say this about our neighbors. Okay. That they were the ones who built this country. It's their blood, sweat, and tears that are in the ground with ours now. We've always gotten along uh, reasonably well and, for the most part, really good with our neighbors. So we have no grudge. We have uh, nothing against our neighbors. It's always been the heavy hand of government and, 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 and the, the, the devious hand of the church because, as a spiritual people, 
we could understand what these churches were talking about in terms of the spiritual nature of Christianity. But to have that and have these crimes against our humanity creates a lot of animosity and, and, and indeed hate and anger. So, but is it directed against our neighbors? No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I think they understand. Once they knew, once they knew what had happened, I could literally feel their understanding. I talked to many of the neighbors here in this area. So it's, it's never in my heart and my mind against our neighbors. My focus, and I believe our focus, has to always be the, the, our su supposed trust and fiduciary. You've got to remember, the Crown took on the role of our trust and our fiduciary. Okay? But it was our trust and our fiduciary who enacted the genocide and played it out and hid it from the Canadian citizens generally. I think there are many spiritual peoples in Canada and amongst First Nations. What Canadian peoples can do is continue to pray for the truth to be revealed and that justice be done against the perpetrators and that someone in government Solicitor General, the Prime Minister of Canada, Trudeau, whoever, must have the courage to act on their duty to uphold not only the first laws of land, but the Canadian law, to uphold the Canadian constitutional law that, that's supposed to protect us and the Canadians. In many ways, our trust and fiduciary has been denying us many aspects of Canadian law, including the, the area of treaties and, and, and those types of things. It's, it's a, a monstrous, monstrous uh, situation. But I believe, and I've always believed, that it's just not going to take just First Nations to achieve the justice we so desire, we so need in our life. It'll take honest, hard-working Canadians, and it'll take people that are willing to lay, lay everything on the line, on this side of the treaty line and on that side of the treaty line, because that's our fundamental relationship. And, well, and, uh, Peter, I, I just wanted to ask you, though, like those of us white Canadians who tried to do that full, feel often the full hand of the churches and the government against us, because as soon as we ask for justice to fix the wrongs that we've committed, we find that we're going up against the system and we're targeted. So it's, you know, the reality is, is that we, all of us, whether native or white, who want to confront this genocide find that they're not budging. They will not, because there's big money involved, as you know. There's the Indian Act in place, which yes. says you're still not citizens, you know? Yeah. We talked about ridding ourselves of the Indian Act in, in, in the early 90s and, uh, but what we found is some of our own people couldn't let Her Majesty's skirt go. They didn't have enough faith right. in themselves 
and 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 our values to to, to take that step. Right. Oh, the the, I think. Once the world was watching for decades upon decades upon decades, no one. This was well hidden, deliberately hidden by the yep. churches and by the state. But the world has become much smaller. We can put everything on this handheld device, Arab Spring. We can do all those things now. And it's the eyes of the world that we must draw even more than before to focus on this because blood is still being spilled, believe me. It's still being spilled. Our children are still being crushed. That's a whole other area I want to talk to you on one of the other shows, Peter, about apprehension of your children and the child trafficking going on through the government child protection system. I don't know if you had any comments about that at this point. We can definitely get into that in future shows. Uh, we, we we just some of our people are just beginning to 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 to, to I don't know reach the point where they're acknowledging that they can recover. I suppose in that area, I've had I think four brothers and uh, uh, a couple of sisters who were taken during the '60 scoop. We have I don't know dozens and dozens of children here at Long Plain alone. Uh, and uh, there's there's some movement there, but again, it's it, it, it's uh, the focus of the administration here is not there. Okay? When we bring up attacking the apology uh, for really what it is, and and, and and trying to protect the, the the rest of the survivors that are that are still with us and achieve some measure of justice. Nobody really wants to lift a finger. Some of our people are still suffering from that, that, that like brainwashing that took place, and they still fear the great white master. Yes. And, uh, and I'm not I'm not insulting any uh, uh, white Canadians. Excuse my language, but but there's this this this, this mentality that has developed that we must listen. And I say to hell with the Indian Act. That's what I've been telling people to hell with the Indian Act. Let's begin to stand for us, and we will overcome all these things, because we do have allies in Canada. We do. Our, some of our neighbors are with us. They pray with us. They encourage us. And, and that, that's how we're getting by. That's really how we're getting by. Otherwise, we would have walked away long ago. Right. Uh, our family. Brian, this, this, I just wanted to ask Brian if he had any okay. remarks. Yeah, my, my remarks are usually quite simple when it comes to what people can do, especially at a local level. I think simply getting yourself into a mindset where you have empathy and compassion for other people. If you see somebody at the store who can't reach something on the shelf, help them. Send out those more, and this is not a spiritual thing for me. It's not even a New Age religion thing for me. It's more of a common sense thing for me. Send out a positive thought. Look at somebody, smile at them. These things can actually make a dramatic difference in the world. And, of course, don't support companies and big businesses that, that steal land, traffic children, etc., etc., etc. Do research into what you support, where you put your money. Money is an expression of the energy that you expressed 
to make that money to live. So don't put that money somewhere where it's going to make or have a detrimental effect on society as a whole. So just taking responsibility for yourself and for others and also helping other people, I think, can, and at a very local level, can make a dramatic difference. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, and stop paying taxes to the murderers. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, one thing I wanted to flag for both of you and for our listeners is next week on the show, the scheduled guest is a survivor of a satanic ritual network in southern Ontario, a white man um, who was raised in these uh, in the satanic family, but he was based uh, in Paris, Ontario, which is very near to the Mohawk Residential School, the, the so-called Mushal, uh, run by the Anglican Church. And he ha- will describe in detail how there were Native children being brought from that residential school and used in the satanic ritual rapes and killings that went on you know, in this family network. And in turn, there were children brought into the Mohawk School, white children, used in these rituals at the Anglican school. So there's a direct link between the Anglican Church residential school and the tortures that went on and still go on in these satanic ritual families. Um, That's something that he's already written uh, quite fruitlessly to the Anglican Church about. They never respond to his letters because they know this is something, it didn't just affect Native kids, but it was aimed at children generally and still is. So that's a very important show to start drawing these links between the separate crimes of genocide that happened to us and and how we have to unite on all of this because it affects all of us. Um, Peter, anything else you really want to get through? We've got about 10 minutes. We're going to go to the top of the hour because we had a, show, um, uh, a slow start at the start of the show. So we've got about 10 minutes left. Is there anything you want to emphasize to the listeners? Well, I think that... Uh, um one of the ways you destroy a nation is you, you destroy their family. Uh, and it's been difficult uh, uh, to, to maintain our families and all this is going on, uh, uh, generationally also. It's, it's not just of today. But it's going to take every man and every woman if we want to get this done. And, and it's going to take, like what this gentleman says, a lot of just simple face-to-face, can I help you? <laughs> yeah. uh, what can I do that we can do together uh, talking to one another trying to overcome our fears but to me one of the principal 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 things that we must do is, is, is to, to restore the women to their, their right for all because if we don't do that then, then we're literally finished where we, half our strength is gone. And so, and any the women listen, listening out there, find out what your role is. Find out your authorities. They're still there. Join with others. Stand up together. There are men that will stand beside you, and I'm one. And, and it's difficult under all these circumstances, but especially when in our communities we're fighting all these other things also, the drugs, uh, stuff that's coming in, and the abuses and all those things that, that are afflicting us right now. But it's a time, I think, that we look to the women to, to to take their right for all and begin once again to speak out openly, because you've been silent for too long as a group. And uh, as men, we better have the, the, the backbone to, to, to step aside 
and, and, and let's hear from these women. Let's hear from our women. Well, that's especially the case uh, when our women are being targeted, as is, you know, future shows we're going to be talking about the whole government's uh, announced missing women inquiry, which is extremely flawed because it's relying on the RCMP, which are the ones making these targeted women go missing in the first place. So I think with this missing women inquiry, Peter and Ryan, we're seeing a replay of the TRC, like TRC cover-up part two. Yes. Involved the say ongoing disappearance. Yeah. Any comments? Well, you see, if, 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 if the, the Grand Chiefs and all those people that are, are in authority, let's not debate how they got there, if, 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 if they're not speaking out, then the RCMP or whoever is doing it will have their way. Because I imagine somebody's pushing back. Uh, we've been so busy here, like uh, we're aware of this, and because we've lost uh, uh, a couple of young ladies here and some young men. But I know that in, in, the, in the instance that of one young lady, she was an 18-year-old girl here, the RCMP dilly-dallied, barely came out at all. Within a, a matter of weeks, uh, a young white lady uh, disappeared. They were all over the place willing to drain the slews, willing to drain whatever. See? And, and that's what we, we, we have to live with. We found an article of clothing. We asked for a DNA testing. We would never know if it was ever returned. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a culture in the RCMP. It's a culture right. in there that, that, that they have this mindset that we're still second-class citizens, that that law doesn't apply to us. They can apply it as they see fit or when they see fit. Right. So I think that, again, if, 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 if there are uh, true leadership here, they will take, take on the prime minister. Let's stop looking at it as, a, as some kind of a messiah and uh, make him and force the work, force the righteous work that needs to be done in a righteous manner, not not just uh, to appease or cover up anything more or whatever. It's the RCMP that failed. It's the police forces that failed. They're the primary failures in this when the women went missing. And that'll come out. Well, you know, Peter, I think it's long overdue to demand the RCMP. Red, yellow, black, or white, it doesn't matter. Let's find out. I think this... Disbanding the RCMP is definitely on the agenda. They're an out-of-control, murderous organization. They have been since 1874. And um, anyway, that's uh, something we can debate in the future. Peter, I want you back on again soon, like within a couple of weeks. There's a lot more to go over. Uh, we want to build concrete support for you and your community. We're going to put out an appeal, financial appeal for you as well. Any listeners who want to donate to Peter's community, uh, just write to us, republicofkanata at gmail.com. We'll forward those donations directly to Peter Yellowquill. And um, any final remarks, Peter, before we sign off? Uh, I just want to say that uh, um, um, uh, it's, it's good to be able to address uh, anyone, I'm telling you, anyone on these matters. Uh, uh, we've somehow developed a closed, closed culture here where that tradition of free speech which predates the Canadian Constitution and the Charter of Rights 
has been has been nearly uh, demolished. Uh, uh, so we, it's 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 nice to speak freely, and uh, we we do require some money. Uh, we we do have to take on our own council some issues like a treaty right to health, uh, uh, the ration issue. Uh, there's a number of issues that that, that need some form of uh, local uh, protection at least. There's a number of issues we can't touch. We have been developing, but we can't go any further because uh, we can't hire lawyers to fight the cases. Like a young man that took a kill shot at, uh, that case is kind of dead in the water right now. The boy that had his uh, shoulder blade broken. Uh, my son who has, who they lose the dog on and they smash his head in the police car. There's other instances like that. Yeah, but we just don't have the, the wherewithal. We, we need to, to stand up. All we're doing right now is doing the best we can to expose it, and it's had some effect. But it's like I told uh, the former chief of police in Winnipeg. Once we start suing you and your police officers, you're going to stop doing all that crap to our people. Because one thing they're going to want to protect is their pocketbook. And if that's right. the thing we have to do, then, then I say let's do it. All right. Because Peter, thank you for being a guest. We'll, we'll have you back in, you know, a couple of weeks for sure. Uh, meantime, like I say to the listeners, republicofkanata at gmail.com if you want to send donations to Peter. Uh, Ryan, any final announcements on your part? Yep. I wanted to let people know that two things. One, I actually did a big interview with Jay Parker, who was one of the more famous uh, survivors of satanic ritual abuse, and I did that interview about two weeks ago. You can find it on my website. It's actually for free at the moment, thesecretteaching.info. Tonight, I have a three-hour special. I also will be joined by Sandra Fecht to talk about trauma-based mind control relating to September 11th, and I'll also be joined by Richard Gage, head, head of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. That's 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern www.thesecretteachings.info for information on how to listen and come into the chat room and talk with us. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Ryan and Peter. And for all the listeners, this is your program. Send ideas for guests or, or program uh, topics to republicofkanata at gmail.com. We are reclaiming all of our nations. We're doing this together from the grassroots up. Until next week, Follow us at itccs.org. Tune in next week for an exclusive interview with a survivor of ritual abuse that links both crimes of genocide against whites and natives. Uh, tune in next week, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, here, bbsradio.com slash radiofreekanata. This is Kevin Annett. Until next week, stay strong and stay clear, all of you. Thank you. This world where I'll belong when I'm gone.